offered with humility and hope, draw us closer to you, O God, and one another. Amen. Well done, Frank. Are you sorry you agreed to read scripture this morning? <laughs> there was words in there that I have no idea how to pronounce. <laughs> and some backstory to that reading. Unlike much of our scripture, this one is this reading is carefully dated and precisely. Darius, the superpower of the day, recognized the right of the Jews to rebuild the temple, but the temple work languished. Haggai was utterly convinced of the folly of building elaborate homes while the temple of the Lord was still in ruins. He was equally convinced that they cannot prosper as a nation while neglecting the temple and calls them to consider so that they can examine the situation in themselves and respond to his call. Remember that prophets were not popular. We tend to idealize them because we're looking back. But prophets were challenging the elite of the society, always calling the people back to God's purpose. He is calling them out for misplaced priorities. He was chastising them for being more concerned about themselves than giving glory to God. And have no doubt, most of us here would be considered part of the elite. Imagine, if you will, that Haggai is speaking today, calling the government, calling the religious institutions, calling the people to rebuild the temple, bringing it back to its former glory. And before you get all agitated and think I want to put all of our money into this building or any building, remember that Jesus is the cornerstone of the temple. That's the temple we need to be rebuilding. As Paul wrote in the letter to the Ephesians, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built spiritually into a dwelling place for God. We are built spiritually into a dwelling place for God. How wonderful is that? God is not out there somewhere, but right inside of us. Jesus is the cornerstone of the temple, not the temple of bricks and mortar, but the temple of love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Haggai is challenging them and challenging us to rebuild for God's glory, not ours. And how do we give God glory? We rebuild with faith. We rebuild with love. We rebuild with community. You may have noticed that those three words are part of our vision mission statement. Faith that matters, love that matters, community that matters. There is nothing in that statement about increasing membership and finances to the things that churches worry about the most. There's nothing wrong with increasing finances and membership. It just depends on what for. I read an article once that said everything you do in the church should end with the sentence, you know, we have a bazaar so that. So that what? What is the reason for the bazaar? We have worship so that. We have Sunday school so that. 
We have outreach so that. And when we can answer those questions, we are rebuilding love and faith and community. Do we want to rebuild with faith, love, and community so that we can boast that we are successful? Or is it to feed the hungry? Is it so that we can brag about how many people are in this house and I go and check what um, John has counted every week too? <laughs> or is it to house the homeless? Is it to expand Jesus' ministry or is it to keep things the same? And again, please don't misunderstand me. In these 10 short weeks that I've been with you, your concern for those on the margins is very evident. Equally evident is your fear of the future. What if we trusted more in God? That no matter what the future holds, that God is present with us. And with God, we can rebuild with hope, we can rebuild with faith, we can rebuild with love, and we can rebuild with community. At first glance or hearing, it doesn't seem that the two readings have much in common. And before I read the second one, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. We are used to Jesus having confrontations with the Pharisees and the scribes. Today we hear of the Sadducees challenging him. Sadducees were a relatively small group made up of people of education and wealth. They accepted only the written scriptures as authoritative excluding oral tradition and any commentaries. And they discounted resurrection because it had no basis in Mosaic law. In today's reading from the Gospel of Luke, a group of them confront Jesus with a trick question based on the law of Levirate marriage, in which the wife is primarily an instrument of inheritance to keep the family wealth intact. Jesus just waves away that question to look at the deeper issue. Listen as Luke explains in chapter 20. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless, then the second, and the third married her, and so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. Are we sometimes, perhaps often, like the Sadducees, 
We are a people who like answers. Perhaps it's instinctive, perhaps, perhaps it was part of the way we were brought up, perhaps it is fostered by our education system, but we are uncomfortable with mystery. We want answers. We want definitive answers. Now, for those of us who have had more than one spouse, perhaps this particular question has crossed your mind. When I enter heaven, who will be my spouse? It's not a bad question. Perhaps we want to know that we will remain connected to those who we share love and life. But in this example, the woman is simply a means of maintaining the inheritance. She is passed from brother to brother like a piece of property. She is simply valued for her ability to bear sons and to keep the inheritance in the family. Basically, the Sadducees were asking who would own her. And the question is meant to get Jesus into trouble. Just like in our first reading, it's a case of misplaced priorities. Jesus lets the Sadducees see or know that they are asking the wrong question. In the kingdom of God, in the realm of God, those patterns of ownership and oppression will be eliminated. The realm of God will be rebuilt with faith, with love, and with community. The realm of God was not some far-off place to aspire to. The realm of God is immigrants welcomed from all corners of the earth. The realm of God is all the organizations in North Dartmouth that are working for justice and freedom from all kinds of oppression. The realm of God is each one of you when we connect with God's mission. The realm of God is right here, right now, in you and in me when we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. That, my friends, is the day of resurrection. Are we up for the task of rebuilding? The men and women who returned from World War II set out to rebuild the world. There was a sense of optimism. Evil had been vanquished, or so they thought. They sacrificed in war, and they sacrificed in peacetime. They built and rebuilt. They worked and worshipped. They loved and shared love. They are responsible for many of our institutions, including our churches. And there was a sense that life was one long trajectory upwards and optimistic. But life often doesn't turn out as we had planned, does it? The baby boom which built and filled so many of our churches is long over. The social upheaval that started in the 60s and in some ways is still going on has had an effect on how church and religious people are viewed. The ugly hateful rhetoric that is spewed by some so-called Christians paints all of us with the same brush in the public eye. But that is not the only story. So the question I have is this. Are we going to give up? Are we going to give up? Are we going to throw in the towel and quietly die? I say no. No, we're not. We are not throwing anything away. I say let's live into the resurrection. 
Let us find new questions. Let us find new answers. Let us rebuild with faith, with love, and with community. And thanks be to God for that challenge and that opportunity. Amen.